This is JFM Podcast. Hello and welcome to another day uh, in life. That is January 20th, 2021. And it is one minute past the hour of 9 a.m. Welcome once again. I am Zoe Machunga. As it is, the business of the media is to mold opinion and provoke debates. And this morning, we will continue from where we stopped. Yesterday, we started talking about the middle belt and restructuring. It is an ongoing conversation, uh, looking for answers, chatting a way forward. And uh, yesterday, uh, we had Dr. Solomon Sukukum with us in the studio, and he is with us here again this morning. Uh, Leonard, expert on issues concerning the middle belt. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Zoe. All right. Yesterday we had started with um, some history where you had uh, uh, given us a little background concerning which states comprised of the Middle Belt. You had mentioned some tribes and uh, we had just started to touch now on the struggle of the Middle Belt to understand better what it is. Yeah. Yeah, So let's continue from there. Um, You know, just as I mentioned yesterday, a, a lot of people are not very, very clear in terms of their understanding and sometimes in terms of their projection of what the, the Middle Belt is. Uh, I remember one of the comments you read yesterday. Uh, the lady said, oh, what is this Middle Belt? You're talking of even Borno to where and yes, what and not. Yes, and he said he wasn't and impressed and he didn't yeah, believe yeah. it. So yes. the, the, the issue is that if the Middle Belt is looked at from maybe uh, politics, geopolitics and what not, you, you may discover that you are dealing with different kinds of issues. Mm. It's, it's all an issue of how do you group Nigerians? Um, what is what is really Nigeria? The Nigerian society. Uh, if you look at the Nigerian society, you will find there are certain key. Uh, there there are ways people group Nigerians, and they do it in in all sorts of manners. They say, "Oh, you you are Northerners." Now the question is, what is the North? Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't answer the question of what is the North and who is a Northerner, then you have a big problem. Because you wouldn't be able to answer the question of who is not a northerner and what is not part of the north. So if you come to the north, you also have to ask yourself the question, what is the north? And what does it, what, who constitute the north? What kind of people are northerners? Uh, you go to the south and you meet uh, people from the south and they say, oh, the north is a desert, it's a place where they, there are no people, the population is not dense. They, I remember when I was during our youth service, uh, yeah, just about 20 years back, and somebody said, oh, you people, everything is given to you free of charge, fertilizer, man, everything. And, and it's, this, these are serious questions. Because it boils down to how do we provide justice, not only for individuals, but also for groups. Mm. We have states. Why do we zone the states? 
you have northwest, northeast, north central. Why do we do that? There are reasons behind behind such groupings. People also identify themselves. You look at some states decided at a point in time and say, look, we want to practice our religion. We want to practice uh, our religion the way we believe in it. And they pass laws and some others say, no, you can't pass those laws in a, in a federation like Nigeria. And the people say, that's your business. The constitution allows us to pass the laws that we want in our state. So we have passed it. Do whatever you can do. And up to today, the laws are there. The Hizba police are there. The people are running their affairs. But it's not every state that fits into that description. So when a certain group of people come up and say, look, we would like to be identified as middle belters. We would like to be identified as... Um, as as uh, a group of people with our own beliefs and ideologies and ways of life they have a right to they have a right to do so it's it does not depend on whether somebody approves of it or or not, or not. <laughs> all right another question that uh, many people are asking also is um how sustainable now is this and should we for example should the middle belt i beg your pardon uh, decide to agitate for some kind of recognition can it sustain itself you see, the, the, the problem is that social constructions are not necessarily permanent, but at the same time, people define themselves and redefine themselves. What we call Northern Nigeria today did not exist prior to 1900. It was the British that decided, oh, this is, uh, you have the Royal Niger Company, this part of the world was called Slave Coast. Mm. The southern part of Nigeria was called Slave Coast, not southern Nigeria. Um, this area was a part of the, this thing was called Borno, Kanim Borno Empire. A part of it was Sokoto Caliphate, which includes part of Niger, uh, part of, uh, part of, Centra, uh, what is it called now? Part of, uh, Togo and Benin Republic, and this, 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 these are just geographical entities that with time change. So when the British came and decided, okay, they are forming Nigeria, they decided to divide Nigeria into two. So what was formerly a group of Kwarafa, Ti, Jukun, and whatnot became Northern Nigeria. It will interest a lot of people to know that. The southern Nigeria prior to amalgamation included what you see, what you call uh, Tivland, the, the areas around Benue Kogi were once part of southern Nigeria mm -hmm. before they were now adjusted and added to northern Nigeria. So this, these are just temporary geographical creations. But then that can be recreated. That can be recreated. Mm. So whether it is Arewa, Northern Nigeria, Southern Nigeria, Eastern Nigeria, all these things can be can be reconstituted. Mm. The the main thing, as I mentioned yesterday, is what is common among these people that brings them together, that you can classify them and say, look, these people have certain things in common. And I think that's the major thing that defines the people that like to refer themselves uh, to themselves as the middle belt. All right. Now, um, middle belt people have continued to complain of marginalization and neglect by the far north. 
uh, in some ways when it comes to developmental projects, appointments, and all of that. Uh, is that the reality? And is it because perhaps they're not uh, meeting up to the bargain? And if they were meeting up to the bargains or the promises or whatever deals are on the table, would you, would uh, the middle belt still be agitating or uh, asking for this? You see, there, there are many things that you have to go back look at the history so you, you look at the reality of what happened and then probably look at what is happening now and then sometimes you can ask yourself can things be done better are there ways that these things can be addressed now when you talk of uh, marginalization of the middle belt the first thing you need to identify is how what context the context is largely in the context of northern Nigeria. Mm. So what is northern Nigeria? Who are the leaders in northern Nigeria? And what has happened before? You see, during the indirect rule of the British, fundamentally they grouped the, the people in the north into two. There are the pagan non uh, Muslims or non-Mohammedans and then the Mohammedans. Okay, so they were grouped so, religiously, not yes, tribally or ethnically. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is, a, it is a, actually a complex hmm. because the Mohammedans are considered House of Fulani Kanuri. The non-Mohammedans are considered other ethnic groups. Now, it is usually these other ethnic groups and non-Mohammedans that view themselves as the middle belters and the oppressed. And it is the Mohammedans and Hausa Fulani Kanuri that are viewed as the main ruling class in the north. Okay. So you have the underdogs and you have the overlords. So the, the way the British organized the North is you have the colonial master, then the junior colonial master, and then the other people down there. Now, the whole thing is such that virtually most of the areas where these minority groups are, Fulani Emirates, some of them villages as at the time when they were when the British came, not even as big as some of the pagan communities. You have some of their leaders uplifted, made into emirs, and then the neighboring communities around them were now subjugated under them. They were never conquered, they were never uh, defeated in war. Yes, of course, the fact that you are carrying slave raiding into somebody's territory does not mean you have conquered him. So you have that discrepancy. Mm. So you have the various divisions in the north being created largely around these emirates. And if you understand the native authority system that existed then, the chief is one, a law. He is the chief law officer in the native authority. He makes law. His court is the highest court in the native authority. He has the native police. He has the native treasury. He employs native staff. He runs the markets. He runs everything in that area. And the British hardly interfere. So automatically, you now have communities that are ruled by a particular group of people. Now, from that period of time, they started agitating. They have not conquered us. They are not our rulers. We don't agree. Now, part of what that led to was in, 19, in the 1920s to 1930s, the British had to bring in anthropologists. 
and ask them, please come and study these people. Because there's a confusion. Mm. The house the, the of Fulani are saying, this is our territory, this is our nation, we have conquered them, we are rulers over them. The people are saying, no, we are not. There's a lot of rebellion. See, it took the British less than five years to defeat the Sokoto Caliphate. Mm. It took them 35 years before they could have control of the various ethnic nationalities in the central Nigeria mm. that are called the Middle Belt. Because there was always agitations and rebellions and fight. Now, when they brought the anthropologists and the anthropologists went into studies, that was when the anthropologists discovered that these people have a different culture, a different worldview, different society, different social setup. And in some of the areas, they decided to now create independent native authorities. For instance, in the area here in Jos, in Plateau, they now form the Jos Joint Council of Chiefs with a stool of the Bongom that brought in about 15 or more ethnic groups. You have those in Pengana area, you have the Afizere, you have the Afizere, the Birom, the Anaoguta, the Atakas, part of the Atakat people and others, brought them together and gave them a native authority. They now you now have the Pangshin division where you have the Ngas, you have the I'm just giving you an example. Mm -hmm. So they created separate native authorities for these people out of those agitations because those people said no we cannot be ruled by House of Fulani. So the agitations of the Middle Belt is not something that started now. And it's not a political thing that has to do with political parties. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, it was these issues that continued. And when the northern, uh, towards independence, when the northern houses of assembly were being formed, there were two houses, the house of chiefs and then uh, the house of uh, assembly. Now, you, it will interest you to know that of the members of the house of chiefs, there were only three non-House of Fulani Muslims who were members. The Akuka, the Bongomjos, and the Ataigala. So the whole of the area from Southern Kebbi going down all over, these are the only, you are talking of about 400 ethnic groups, and these are the only people representing them. The rest of the traditional rulers who are members of this council were largely Fulani people. Mm. Now, when you meet there, it is more of like you have also a permanent chairman who is the sultan. Now, people have their agitations, people have their problems around this, people don't feel it is okay. So, towards independence, they started agitating, we will want our own state. We will want our own region, separate from the northern region. Now, what are the key differences between the people who are in the core north? Let me use that word, mm -hmm. because the words are so bastardized. No, the, but so let's say the people who are in the north, the core north, or the Arewa people, and suffice. the people who call themselves the middle belt, who wanted the middle belt state. Fundamentally, you can have about five differences. One, for instance, these ones are largely Hausa, Fulani, Kanuri. The other ones are made up of tiny ethnic groups of different sizes. You have large ones like the Bagi, 
Nupe, eh, Igala, Ibira, eh, Thief, eh, Bura, Biram, Ngas, and things like that. You have smaller ones that are at that point in time were not up to even 1,000 in population. So these are a diverse group of people. Two, a major factor is that these other groups are largely, largely made up of pagans, mm. not Christians, made up of pagans. Of course, there was a lot of mission work going on, but the majority of the population as at independence were still largely pagans. This other group were largely, mostly Muslims. The second part of it is that these people, in terms of their law, the legal system in the north was Islamic Sharia. The legal system in the Middle Belt was customary law and British common law. So you, in, in the north is customary law and British uh, common law. In the Middle Belt, it was, uh, sorry, in the north is Sharia law and British common law. In the central areas, it is customary law and mm. British common law. Okay. The other part of it is, in terms of their system of leadership and governance, the North is feudalistic. The, the majority of the Middle Belt are Republicans. Hmm. So, you have two complete cultures and differences there. Now, these other people are to a large extent more, let's use the word, more conservative. Mm. These ones are a little bit more liberal in terms of their accommodation of people, hosting people, doing things and the way they do things. So you are having two societies in one region. Now, so those things are there. Now, when it comes to appointment, political office, you have a ceiling. You have a place where you cannot go beyond. There, there, there are, of course, sometimes you hear people talking of, okay, uh, there were middle belters that have attained some political offices, ranks. During the, going yes, during, during, the, during the, the First Republic, it was a serious issue. People hardly talk of the details of what, uh, what took place then, mm. but reading the history books, reading the stories, it was terrible struggle between the United Middle Belt Congress, the people of the Middle Belt and the NPC and the peoples of the North. There was it was it was not a peaceful. It's not the so ideal. This is not the first time this is coming no, it's, up. It's Maybe that's it even the, raged harder it in is, the past than it is. Even you see, you now. see, these these issues, as simple as they may appear, were part of the things that led to civil strife in the First Republic, that ended up leading to the coup, that ended up leading to the civil war. Nigerians have never sat down on a table and decided that this is the best way to run our country on the basis of equality, on the basis of fairness, and on the basis of social justice. What is going on is a situation in which Nigeria has always been classified with some groups as better than others. People have this pride of either being House of Fulani or being, uh, what would I call it, the rulers or being the major ethnic groups. Nigeria is actually a minority nation. There is no major ethnic group anywhere. All the group, there is no single ethnic group in Nigeria that constitutes 25% 
of the population. In other words, if you let me just give you an example so that people don't misunderstand me. If you take the Yoruba, they do not constitute 25% of the population of Nigeria. If you take the Igbos, they do not constitute 25% of the population of Nigeria. If you take the Hausa, they do not constitute 25%. Even if they do, when you put them together, what you will end up having is about 75% of the population. That's among the three ethnic groups. Does it mean the rest of the ethnic groups are just 25%? Everybody reasonable knows it is not true. In reality, the other ethnic group constitute about 50% of the population. In other, what I mean is, when you put EFIC, EBBO, IJO, all the others in the south come down to the middle belt and put all the other ethnic groups together and then you take Igbo, Hausa, Yoruba who are called the majority and put them separate. These other groups constitute about 50%. These other groups constitute about 50%. Now, so if you divide the population, you discover in reality Nigeria is a nation that is made up of various minority groups. No group constitutes up to 25%, talk less of 50%. Mm. But you see, these are some of the dynamics you see that the minorities have been... The British did it in such a way that you have the Yorubas with their minority, the Igbos with their minorities, the Hausa Fulani leaders with their own minorities. And then the sense of feeling of injustice mm. is now entrenched. So the minorities keep fighting and saying, look, we don't want to be under the control of any of these groups. All right. Now, another issue that's come up many times here will be that a few leaders of the Middle Belt have always betrayed their people by joining uh, other people in, in politics, mainly for personal benefit and not the benefit of the generality of the Middle Belt. And so this gives us a picture of uh, there is no unity. It's, so that is why perhaps many it's, are saying it's, it's a universal, it's a universal, it's a universal, it's a universal human problem. If you are talking of people who go out for their personal interests, they are found everywhere. You find them among the Yorubas, the Igbos, the Southerners, or whatnot. In fact, if you go down line and look at the history of this country, there are times when the, let me use the word, the House of Fulani are not really in control of political power, yeah. and you have House of Fulani who join. In fact, I remember one time in Bauchi when they were shouting against Obasanjo and said they don't want me, Pisari Ase. Hmm. In other words, they don't want somebody who hmm. urinates standing up. They want somebody who is this. And the Wazir in Bauchi then hmm. was standing and campaigning. Nigeria, say me, Pisari Ase. In other words, it's like going against the interests of his people. Mm. So politics has those give and take and whatnot. The issue is that mm. if you do that without taking into cognizance the interests of your people, the people will turn against you at a point in time. The other part of it is that with time, you lose respect and credibility among your people. You cannot have it all. There is no even when you are negotiating with your enemies and creating alliances, you must, if you are a real man of integrity, protect the interests of your people. You must be able to present it even before their enemies. All right. So, so far since when this agitation started, what has the Middle Belt been able to achieve? You see... From then till this current situation... Oh, a lot. All right. Let's, a lot. let's talk you about see, that. Some. A lot of the liberty that 
many people have in Nigeria today is part of the struggles of the middle belt. People may not appreciate it. I'm going to give you one example. The role of the middle belt. Yes. One of the first examples. Yes. One of the things is that when Nigeria was about to be given its independence, the middle belt said, see, we cannot be part of a north where Sharia is practiced. We want a region where people are free to practice their religion irrespective of the faith, whether they are Christians, Muslims, or pagans. Now, the northern uh, Muslim caliphate leaders had to now give concede. Now, the concession they made was that the Islamic Sharia law that was in practice in northern Nigeria prior to independence was now dropped. In its place, the Northern Penal Code was adopted. Now, the Northern Penal Code looks into issues offensive to Muslims and takes care of it, and also takes care of the interests of other people who are not Muslims. Now, in other words, what people call a secular state today was actually the product of the struggles of the people of the Middle Belt. Mm. Now, that led to a constitution that says no state religion will be recognized. Every Nigerian has freedom of religion, and all these liberties was part of that struggle of the minorities in the Middle Belt. Now, I'm just giving you one example. The second part of it is that by 19... Uh, 1960, 73, thereabout, when, during the Civil War in the 60s and whatever, when they had to break the regions, it was actually part of the struggles of the Middle Belt that they have demanded for the regions, but by the time uh, Gawan was head of state, and you know Gawan is, is, is from the Middle Belt, the Middle Belt struggle seems to have calmed down, but really a lot was done. Mm. You have the Benue Plateau that was created, the North East, North Central, the, the North Central then was what is Kasina and Kaduna now, people don't know, that was the North Central region then, not the present North Central. Then you have the Northwest, which is Niger, Cape uh, be Zamfara, so Sokoto. what was this area called then? This area was Benue Plateau. Plateau. Or Benue Plateau. It was Benue Plateau. Oh. And you have the Kwara area, which is made up of Kogi and Kwara. And th- Gongola. Gongola was a state later on. Gongola was part of the Northeast and not whole of the whole of Gongola because what you have as Taraba State was part of Benue Plateau before. It was not part of the Northeast. Okay, hence counting Taraba sometimes. Uh, the tribes yes, at the, least especially areas the around there. Wukari and others were okay. part of the Benue Plateau then. Oh, so you have this state creation, these state divisions that allow states to have this. It's, it's partly the, the, the result of the, the, the Middle Belt uh, struggles. Wonderful. Okay, so now that means at some point uh, there was a sit-down and some deals at least were made. So is it that now, what, what's, what's gone wrong with that? Because now we can see Sharia law is in order and uh, a lot of uh, Middle Belters would not be free to reside in such places because the laws would not be favorable. Are this part of the reasons? What went wrong? I, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say uh, that they were... Did they renegade? They, they, were, they, they were very good deals that were... were okay. Rich. In, it it appears like most of the constitutional conferences, agreements that were reached, people did not get what they wanted. That was one. Secondly, some concessions were made 
And after some years, people felt the concession was too much. They, they would like to go back. For instance, mm. the, what is called, is, is actually in, in, in academic cycles called, and political cycle called the, the, uh, the 1960 compromise and agreement. That was when the issue of the Sharia law was dropped. By 1970s, in fact, in the 1979 Constitutional Conference, the Northern representative at the Constitutional Conference that took place in Lagos then left the conference because they wanted the Sharia law to be, to be made part of the Constitution. So when, when the other delegates refused to accept that, they walked out of, they walked out of, the, uh, of the Constitutional Conference. Now, when, while they were outside the Constitutional Conference, the others went ahead and drafted the provision that you see in the 1979 Constitution. So the North has not been satisfied with the issues related to the Sharia law. And that the was why belt. the North, not right. the Middle Belt this time around, the Far North. Mm -hmm. And so by the time Yerima came and brought up the Sharia thing, oh, it was good. That was what they have been agitating for. Now, you can see that even in terms of its implementation, there are still those who are not satisfied with it to the point that they have taken up arms. You have the issue of resource control. At a point in time, the constitution was changed. The federal government took over. That's, that's a military decision. The federal government took over the, 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 the control of resources. And then you now have states in the south agitating for resource control. So there is no real, what would I call it, a real agreement that Nigerians have come to accept and say, look, everything is okay. But there are issues that, of course, people try to use when it favors them. I'll give you an example. Mm. Issue of citizenship and indigenship. It's a very sensitive thing I'm discussing on the radio. But you see, before independence, Nigerians agreed on who is a Nigerian citizen. And it means you must belong to an area of Nigeria you must be a native before you become a citizen. So if you leave your place of origin, you can automatically lose your rights because every Nigerian must be a native before he becomes a citizen. Now, you hear people saying we should discard the issue of being natives and let everybody be a citizen. A citizen now, yes, when I they say it, the other problem you have is that Will that be universal? In other words, does it mean anybody can, the Igbo man, the Yoruba man can go to Sokoto, go to Kano, and then become a native, contest political office, have every right? Is that feasible? Will the Hausa man ever go to Igbo land and become a native with full rights as every other Igbo man? Looking at the culture of the Igbos, their ancestry and the rules that are there, is that practicable? I'm not talking of idealism of what people think about. So you have those problems, and so you now have a confusion. And what is that confusion? The confusion is, should we have universal citizenship? Or should we retain the layered citizenship in which you have to be a native before you can be a citizen? Now, there are many people who move into places and their parents move and they don't go back to their village again and they don't keep in touch with their people and they lose all contact and therefore they are like, we are natives of nowhere. 
And for us to be citizens of Nigeria, we have to be natives of somewhere. Mm. And that becomes a problem. All right. Let's open the phone lines now. Let's get to hear from you this morning. What is your take on our discussion this morning with Dr. Solomon Sukukum, looking at the middle belt and restructuring? You've gotten a lot of stories, a lot of background, a lot of history now, a lot of facts to go with. So let us know this morning. 90556 in four places, 99090988488848. What is your view? Let's talk. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for calling. Thank you for calling, Mr. Dekumar. Please go ahead in a minute. Yeah, I'm going to comment your lips have spoken well on the issue that I've noticed. Hmm. At the initial time, if you change the amalgamation of Nigeria, it's meant to be for economic benefit. Not based on nation, if you check on the last Please, I'll have to ask you to cut and call us back again. I'm afraid we're not getting the best of your input right now. Please do call us back. Your line isn't clear. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's Emeka and I'm calling from Terminus. Go ahead, Emeka. Well, our history should be, the, should be our pride as a people. You know, this is something that we should... Uh, live to tell our children, children, children. And I'm happy with your guest. He has uh, given out a lot, you know, and um, I learned a lot from what he said this morning. Well, I think the, the situation we currently find ourselves is not even far-fetched from what these histories are all about. I can still see the continuation of, the, of this history, you know, or maybe the reputation, you know, of the history. You could currently see what is happening in, in some places you know, whether you like it or not, even the Fulanese, they still conquer the Hausa communities, you know. And they are shifting uh, they are shifting their base to the southern part of the country, you know. And uh, you find a governor who has come out to say, if you are living in social community place in the forest or whatever, you have to leave, for instance. You know, the governor is not doing that because he enjoys doing it, you know. But the strategy of this certain part of people, these particular people, is that when they come there, they use fear, they intimidate the people there with fear and, you know, and whatever. They take over those places and before you know what is found, uh, before you know what is happening, they declare a, a ruler, you know, that we recognize. And uh, it's just unfortunate. At the end of the day, I believe every region in this country needs to come together and even sit down and look at it as as look at the country itself. You know, what do we benefit? What do we benefit? What do you benefit? If you have somebody who is from the south, if you are from the south side, if you are from the middle belt, what do you benefit from being in Nigeria? And we've not really even asked ourselves that question. You know, that is why we need to sit down. We are holding conferences in this country. The conference, the national conference, the last one, it wasn't the last time we had conference. We are holding conferences. You know, so that is just it's, it's the restructuring was talking about is everybody coming together and said this is what we want mm. this is how we want this country to run so that is just my take i really appreciate your guest and his uh, wonderful comments today thank you so thank much emekaima from taminus zero nine zero five five six and four places nine nine and zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight don't forget you can also connect with us on our feedback handles on facebook and twitter hello and good morning hello and good morning mm. Good morning, Joey. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you very much. I'm Ellis. I'm calling from Hoshi. Go ahead, Mr. Ellis. Thank you. Thank you. A great historian I will call our guest of today. And in short, if you could remember, in the first week of this year, in the first week of January, mm. I phoned in to say that Nigeria is completely a British design. And from all the guests I've explained and educated this morning, that proves me right. But the fundamental, the fundamental question now is, must Nigeria continue to live in British design in the 21st century? No, is my answer. Then the work now is with, I mean, the state actors, I mean the government from federal to state and to local government. If they don't want to do that, history has a date. We are waiting for 2023, but the funniest thing is that by the time we enter 2022, money will be given and those that are, I mean, uh, reeling out venom will shaking out of the game. I wish Nigeria should learn through an educator like our guest this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Ellis. We appreciate. Hello and good morning. Zero nine zero five five six in four places nine nine and zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight. Well, Confucius once said, uh, "Study the past if you wish to divine the future," and that is what we are doing this morning. Let's hear your take concerning the middle belt and restructuring. Good morning to you. Hello and good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Please go ahead in a minute. Let us know your name and address your concern. This is Charlie Sellers calling for the Barrows and Market. Mm. Honestly, I appreciate your guest. And he has said it all. And we can never do without his choice. And I want to tell you if you want to get it right in Nigeria, let's go back to 2014. He has taken care of everything in Nigeria. He has taken care of our constitution. He has taken care of everything. If Nigeria wants to get it right, they shouldn't do away with that 2014 conference. No matter whatever they are going to do, no matter whatever committee they are going to set up, they should go back to 2014 conference. We should give Nigeria what we want. Thank you and God bless. Thank you for your time. Hello and good morning. Zero nine zero, or I think let's leave that with the calls here. Uh, let's see what's going on now with our feedback handle. Karguak uh, Nandom is saying, I'm all ears. Victoria Mije is saying, do the middle belt support their own people in the struggle for power? Nobody will fight their cause if they remain lackadaisical, lackadaisical and continue to accept the North as they are in in quotes, she's saying, big brother. Dabit uh, Nate and Nasty is saying, good, let's talk crew. Today's topic is a boom and very interesting, making so much awareness to us, the middle belters, regards to your guest. Nos Nyongo, John, I'm enjoying and learning a lot from your guest on the middle belt region. Well done, sir. Good morning. Middle belt agitation is all about Hausa, Islam, and North, says Danazumi Doda. Karaguak Nandam, Mike Vongdip is saying, yesterday was hilarious, educative. I pray the same today, Zoe. Moses Ayuba Kwanga is saying, who are the brain behind this struggle? I'm analyzing. Matthew A. Adewale is saying, great historian, really blessed with history. The middle belt needs to stop the deceit that 
that we are all northerners when it comes to politics. Autonomy of the middle belt, hashtag, says Matthew Adewale. All right, let's leave it there now and move on uh, with uh, the discourse. Uh, like I said earlier, Confucius once said, study the past if you wish to divine the future. And we have seen uh, all the national confab, and uh, many are saying that uh, we have reached critical mass, we have reached crescendo, and the posture uh, that we have seen from the federal government still hasn't changed. And we have also seen here uh, where the middle belt and has given uh, the, the federal government of Nigeria an ultimatum. They are saying restructure uh, before next general election. Now talking about the future, Southern and Middle Belt Leaders Forum uh, insisted on restructuring of the country before any national election could hold as uh, it sadly noted that the inequalities and the polity multiplied everywhere, declaring that enough of any section playing supremacist role against, again, as if the rest were fools. So let's talk about this now. What yeah. kind of restructuring, because there are different types of restructuring what does the middle belt want out of restructuring let, let, let me and then say what happens to the north yeah I, I would like to say something because you know like uh, one of the comments uh, from the I think Facebook or something like mm. that uh, by Dan Azumi the issue is yes Dan Azumi said middle belt agitation is all about Hausa Islam and the north says yeah. now, now, now you you need to understand that the middle belt as a society is actually a mixed society by mixed society it means you have a large number of Muslims a large number of Christians and few pagans now most of the people who call themselves Christians or Muslims their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents were not Muslims. So you, you, you need to see that kind of society. When you have a mixed society that is made up of people that are mixed, mm. you have those challenges. So you look at somebody, let, let's, let me take an example of uh, Plateau State here. You look at somebody like Yaya Kwende, who was an active uh, uh, participant in the issues of the Middle Belt. He is not a Christian. But the issue is that he also has his own political leanings. Now, you have people in the Middle Belt who today, for either religious or political affiliations, will align with the North. You have also people who, within the Middle Belt, for either religious or political reasons, will align with people in the South. Mm. But the majority of the people of the Middle Belt do not have those alliances. They are looking out for the interests of their people. So, but there is a new romance now, a new alliance between this, the you see, you, Middle you, Belt and the South. As I said yesterday, mm. you need to understand the difference between Middle Belt as a society and Middle as Belt institution. institutions. Mm. You have various institutions. You have the United, you have the Middle Belt Forum. You have the uh, Middle Belt Congress. You have many associations in the Middle Belt. In fact, you have Islamic organizations that are largely made up of minority Muslims, Muslims who are not House of Fulani. Now, you have the Birom, Muslims Association. 
you have other things like that. Now, these people also are stakeholders when it comes to the middle belt. So when you are talking of the middle belt as a society, one organization does not constitute the middle belt. Okay, so, so are you saying that, that, that what this uh, the, the, the middle belt forum has put out now is not valid? It's just the institution speaking. Uh, that is the Southern Middle Belt Leaders Forum. Is it just the institution speaking and not the people? The question is, do they have the loyalty of their people? Are there people willing to go with them? Hmm. Now, that is what you ask. If they have the loyalty of their people, and if their people are willing to go with them, then you do not take any statement from such an institution for granted. Now, if they do not have the loyalty of their people, and if their people are not willing to go with them, then whatever they say will not hold water. Hmm. So why is the statement and position of the Middle Belt Forum considered a serious issue? It is because there are many people in the Middle Belt who agree with them. But it does not necessarily mean everybody agrees with that. It's just like the discussion about the Matthew Kuka issue. You have some people writing and saying Matthew Kuka should leave Sokoto. Uh, is everybody in Sokoto interested in asking Matthew Kuka to leave mm -hmm. Sokoto? If everybody in Sokoto is interested in asking Matthew Kuka to leave Sokoto, Matthew Kuka will not, stay, will not be able to stay in Sokoto. All right, let's be take more phone calls now. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. my name is Haji Slim. I'm calling from Abatoa. Please go ahead real quick. Yeah, my question is that you see, anytime they not hear about me, they are scared. The mm. talk, the middleweight is all about Christianism, you understand? Mm. But I want to let them know there are Muslim and Christian in the middleweight. But then again, the middle belt also, some people because in the middle belt also feel the north is all about Islam. So if they feel that way, we need to reach a middle ground indeed. You, you see, you see, I was opportune to talk to someone that comes from far north. Mm. Anytime you hear middleweight, they say, ah, no Christians. Mm. You understand? Mm. That is what they always want to say. But how can we educate them to understand that they need to do that? We too, we need to stand on our own, unite. All right, thank you so much for that. Want. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, you, you see, this is a very interesting point. Do you know that there was a time in the North that a law was passed that if you dare mention the name Middle Belt, it's a criminal offense. During the First Republic, it was that bad. So a lot of people do not know how deeply seated the animosity is. Mm. But you see, as I, as I mentioned, you have a lot of people in the Middle Belt, Christians and Muslims, who know that there is a differentiation in the way they are treated. Now, I mentioned that one of the differences between the Middle Belt communities and the Northern community is feudalism. Now, a lot of Northerners suffer even under the kind of irresponsible leadership that is provided. You have many of them in government. You have multi-billionaires who are from the North who have not built and schools. you heard what uh, the Ustaz said yes, yesterday. They, who have not built schools, so what, who, who, are not doing any, who are not doing anything to do. You, you, the like like the complaints you have right children. now, you have the, the heads of the security agencies largely from the North, but the North is the most insecure place all over. Let's take this, these things calls. are there. But yes, let's take more phone calls. Thank you. Hello and good morning. Hello, good morning, my Thank you for joining us. Please go ahead in a minute, Miss Extravagant Malubi. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So, thank you so much. The pleasure is always mine. Well, pertinent question one for our guest. You have spoken so well. A great historian. Um, what is the reason, if you do know, 
why history was abolished in our institution, if you're aware. Number one. Number two, how united are the Middle Belters in the struggle for uh, identity? Number three, I want you to also ask if you do the answer if you do know. In the in the race, political race of the North, because when it comes to uh, politics, we hear we northerners. Um, in, the, in the economy benefits, I tend to be corrected. That statement is too far for me. What has the Middle Belt gained under the under the the North? What has the Middle Belt lost under the North? And lastly. I also want you to answer as you do know. What was the reason why um, the former head of state, go on, who is from the Middle Belt, uh, refused to see to the, 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 the fulfillment of Aburi Convention and Conference, the agreement in Aburi, which by implication would have lived every region of this country. Do you know why? Our brother and the middle daughter refused to implement the Aburi agreement, which would have liberated Nigeria today. God bless, God bless you once again. Thank you so much, Mr. Malubi. Mm. Let's get to this. You know, the, the Aburi issue is very sensitive. Mm. But let me just say a few things. I don't know why Gawan took his decision. But I think there are some factors that need to be considered when we look at it. For instance, one, the Federal Executive Council during Gawan's time had a lot of people in the South, including the former uh, Oba of Benin, who some people accuse as being part of the people who refused the issue of the Aburi Accord. You also have the what they call then the power permanent secretaries who are of the northern district who also uh, did not agree with it. So it is largely actually a decision of the of the Federal Executive Council then consisting of Nigerians from different backgrounds. Mm. And Gawan, yes, Gawan had, was the head of state, but he was not like a supreme commander that takes decisions on his own alone. I know there are a lot of factors there, mm. but I can't speak for, I can't speak for Yakubu Gawan. Sure. The other thing I would like to mention is that, you see, while the main topic of discussion today here is the Middle Belt, I would like to say to all Nigerians, as I mentioned yesterday, the truth is that the majority of Nigerians are not satisfied with Nigeria as it is today. So it's not a question of just the middle belt. Mm. The Talakawa people, the Muslims in the north, are not okay with what Nigeria is. So right. you, you don't just blame maybe the north for all the problems. They are not the cause of all the problems. There are problems created by our inaction, our inability to do what is right. I'll give you a very simple example. Nobody is imposing a governor on Plateau State. Nobody is denying Plateau State building its road. You have your allocation, you have your revenue, you can plan your future, you can build your state, you can train your children anywhere in the country, outside the country, build your universities, do whatever is supposed to be done. You have the right to pass your laws. If you like, you can make it canon law, just the way Zamfara has their Sharia law. It is left to you to do that. Now, when you refuse to take those actions and you focus your attention at blaming others, 
the tendency is that you are not able to make progress. And I think one of the problems we have, not just in the Middle Belt, but all over the country, is the over-concentration on expecting the federal government to solve every problem. Our local government system is almost completely dysfunctional. And it's almost across the board, every state, irrespective of ethnic group or political party. So these are very important things that I, I, I think we, we need to note. This conversation. Now, how much time? Because, I mean, the level of animus being directed at the federal government, President Buhari, came based on the change agenda, restructuring, and, you know, the Nigerian character. Nigerians have invested a lot of hope in this legacy. How much time does this administration have? And do you think, should they miss this, they would have missed you know bringing about uh something that could have been epoch making i i think i think the current federal government as led by uh president muhammadu buhari is one of the government that have probably squandered one of the greatest opportunity to change this country that has ever existed in the history of this country my reason of saying it please let me let me say a few things. While people may criticize the government on issues of insecurity and whatnot, it does not mean that the government is not achieving things in other areas. The, the government is achieving things in some areas of governance, but a lot of goodwill. People had so much expectation of the government that a lot of goodwill that was not extended to other democratic governments were extended to this government. And those opportunities have not been properly uh, utilized and harnessed. But to say the, f the, 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 the fact is this, Nigerian, the, the national question is not a question for this government. Is a question for governance in Nigeria from independence till now. Till and the Buhari government, if it does not solve its own part, the next government that will come in, irrespective of political party, will inherit this problem. Mm. And until these issues are addressed, I think we will not really, we will, we will just keep having these problems on and on and on, irrespective of the government Let's in power. Let's get now to our feedback handle on Facebook. Victoria Mije is saying the issue of restructuring as it concerns the middle belt is a drowned discussion. What positive steps have been taken to coordinate a middle belt national forum to accentuate their cause. Poor leadership and rivalry amongst them is a problem. Tengwang Steven is saying when you are comfortable under someone you should be ready to do his bidding. So the middle belt are comfortable under the north. The middle belt should wake up. Richard Egbita is saying as far as I'm concerned my household are 100% middle belt struggle. Good morning. Enough of all this injustice. Ashi Ayinga is saying the struggle for the liberation of the middle belt is now. This region has been under suppression for long. If we can't fight for our freedom now, there won't be any future for this great nation. Uh, Victor Mije is also saying uh, the Middle Belt uh, is as identity crisis, which is a result of their uh, usual and consistent romance with the North for the purpose of survival. Unless there is redefinition the geographical composition of what constitutes the Middle Belt, the way forward would be uh, to con would continue to be a mirage. Well, thank you so much, all of you, for 
listening and uh, we just want to say thank you again dr solomon sukukum for sharing your time and your expertise with us this morning thank you so all we're asking for at the end of the day is a nation where peace and justice shall reign good morning to you this is what we have for you in the offing this midweek this wednesday morning the 20th of january 2020 uh the program has come to a close it's an ongoing conversation you can continue to drop your post and your comments on our feedback handles and uh, after this a news top of the hour reaches you shortly by 10 a.m and the midday show with ogi digbo keep your dial locked right here and remember to stay safe covid19 is real zoe machunga is my name thank you for listening to jfm podcast 